0: and
1: scar, but the jokes on her, she hasn't seen it all, <sighs> so you shot him up close and you shot him in the face, and your woman looked on and your children, they Still burning and the fire's roaring fire You moved right in, yeah, you moved right in
2: And welcome to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Joanna Purpich here with my wonderful co-host, Megan Duffy. Good morning. And uh, we have a pretty wild show planned for you today. I feel like I say that at the beginning of every time because, of course, when we're talking about crime, they're so often quite wild. Um, But today especially, we are talking about, um, what is it? Lies, cheats, and corruption. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Put your hat of righteous indignation on. We're gonna have a little bit of fun.
2: Uh, and of course, um, we love hearing from you guys. This is something we're we're trying out. This whole uh, listener call thing. So if you happen to be from Katy, Texas, listening right now, Mother Roxy, Roxy, <laughs> <laughs> or anyone else, um, I do hope we have more listeners than. People were related to.
3: <laughs> I think there's one up in the Bronx. All
2: right. So, our um, Bronx friend of the show, if you would like to call in as well, the phone number is 718 928 9732. Again, that is 718 928 9732. And we will be uh, also um, calling out that number at various other times of the show. But uh, if, as we're talking, you think of anything related to our subject matter or just have a random comment that you would like to share, or if you have any fan mail for us, please give us a ring. Mm. All right. Okay. It is now time for announcements. Our announcement this week, because uh, I don't know where the Teen Squad pamphlet is.
3: <laughs> Good morning.
2: Good morning, is to ask for. Donations. And I know everyone hates the money talk. This was always the mass I would skip in church, but it's actually really important because Radio Free Brooklyn is a nonprofit. We are all volunteers. There is absolutely no one here who is making any money off of this, even the people who spend like hundreds of hours making this possible. Shout out Tom Tenney. And uh, so your uh, donations are so important for us so that we can keep on doing what we're doing. Uh, please go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Again, that is radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate uh, to both find out more about us and to make a donation. And and I mean, literally $5. We are appreciative of anything that you can give us. I actually always wonder because, you know, I mean, I've watched... uh, telethons on pbs before oh, yeah jerry lewis and i'm always like who donates to those um
3: i donated to pbs when i was a little more flush yeah but then i found you know i mean not that i don't think pbs tv is isn't important but i think in the current climate there are other issues that need my money
2: i donated to the spLC once and then they called me so many times after that i regretted my donation
3: yeah they do that <laughs> But I still give you know, I still do, yeah. my, do my part
2: i should I should probably give more. I feel like I'm still like starting out in my career and living relatively paycheck to paycheck,
3: yeah, yeah I, yeah, I mean that I mean that's you know when you find yourself in that position, you can't do it, but five bucks is always helpful, you know yeah. if a hundred if a million people give five bucks, that's a lot of money
2: that's true, uh And we'll certainly hear quite a bit more about some uh, interesting uh, money dealings Uh today. Uh Uh-huh. But first off, for uh, news of the week, uh, so uh, Megan really helped me out a lot with this, so please chip in whenever you feel like it. I
3: will. I didn't actually read a lot of them, but I might have some comments.
2: kind of sending headlines. Winging it. Yeah. Uh, Well... uh, I usually prepare the news of the week the morning of, and this morning I took Nyquil last night and slept through my alarm. So, uh,
3: <laughs> as one does, it's okay.
2: Uh, so I'm a little bit. So th- I really appreciate your help. I got you, girl. Um. All right. So, uh, four Brooklyn crime bosses, each facing up to 20 years in prison, uh, pled guilty this week to racketeering in the. Brooklyn federal court this month. I thought it was this week. Yeah, it was on Wednesday. I don't know where my head is. Um, all right. So we have Graves in resident Jerry Chiari. And as per usual, the nicknames are the best part of yes. this story. So we have Fat Jerry.
3: There's always a fat guy or They're big. Fat
2: with cash.
3: Yeah. Well, pasta, and then- maybe.
2: There's also Vito DeFalco, who uh, goes by either Victor or The Mask. (laughs) He's got two nicknames going going on there. Ugly mug. And then there were two other people who are also involved, but these were the main guys. And uh, so they're guilty of racketeering. And whenever I see racketeering, I'm always like, I don't know what that is. Oh, it's being a loan shark.
3: Oh, they were loan sharks?
2: Yeah. Okay. And it's great. They were literally like, I'm going to break your legs. Uh, oh, they're so, bringing,
3: they're, I mean, like, they're OG, then. Yeah. Real OG. Okay.
2: So, Fat Jerry uh, threatened to shoot his partner, who had fallen behind on payments, and he ordered an associate to slash a victim's tires in the middle of the night. And then, um, allegedly, because I read this very quickly in the morning, Vito Del Facco. <laughs> um Threatened to blow up a car of someone that he was trying to extort money from.
3: Okay. If you kill him, you're not going to get not, any money. He
2: wasn't in the car. Oh. He was just, I'm going to go to your street and blow up your car oh, just... in front of your kids. I don't know. If someone threatened to blow up my car, I would be like, Okay. Years.
3: Well, I feel like you have the smarts enough not to engage in business with a loan shark. But I could be wrong. I don't know you that well. I mean, I've only known you since October. <laughs> you do have an obsession with the mob. Um,
2: I think it would be kind of an interesting to to find yourself in. <laughs> not that I haven't thought about it when student loans were starting to...
3: Uh, Yeah, the interest rate with these guys was probably a little bit higher than your student loan. Kneecaps. Yeah, kneecaps, car explosions.
2: But I just thought it was great that it's... uh... So I knew that, like, loan sharks existed, but I thought it was more in the interest rate side of things and not like the literally we're going to kill your cat.
3: Oh, I mean, like a pound of flesh.
2: But um... Very
3: Shakespearean. Uh,
2: Yeah, I thought it was sort of a...
3: I thought I'd kind of gone by the wayside like I thought they were more into um, more vice stuff
2: now. Well, I was like, you can't blackmail me. I'm too boring.
3: <laughs> you can't blackmail me. I don't have any shame.
2: So. <laughs> I stayed out till midnight.
3: <laughs> Dirty stay out.
2: <laughs> I'd make such a good politician, I'd go to bed early. Oh, Lord. All right, uh, we also have some really excellent news, and that is a group of stravengers uh, chased down and caught a robber who attacked a uh, deaf woman on the subway mm-hmm. after stealing her cell phone. Uh, so what I really love about this story is is that, all right, so this man goes up to this woman. She's, I don't know, deaf, and she can't hear him. So when he's like motioning and screaming at her to give her his phone, she's like, I don't know, dude, you seem really weird. (laughs) And so he takes it from her and starts just like punching her. Not cool. So uh, the fellow passengers just leap up and just run after him, tackle him. Mm -hmm. He gets thrown to the cops. And it just like warms my heart because a few weeks ago, we were watching that YouTube video where that older woman with all of her bags is just getting pummeled. Yeah. And no one did anything just on no that one. No one does anything except film it, of except course. Except film it. Uh, so it is really nice that we're not all shitty.
3: Yeah, level. it gave me a little bit of hope in, in these times, these desperate times.
2: Anyway, so uh, this man, I'm going to say his name to shame him. It's Curlum. Dudichenko, 33, Coney Island-bound D-train. Isn't that near you? Yeah, it's down by me. You have a lot of crime.
3: We have a lot of crime. There was a body that washed up on the beach. I was going to send you that article this morning, but there was no backstory to it, so I couldn't... I didn't think it was that interesting. Tell
2: us, tell us. That's all I know. Oh. oh. I'm sorry.
3: They don't... I mean, there was no details. The police weren't giving out any details, otherwise I would have...
2: Oh, I actually it. have an exciting uh, personal story about bodies on beaches.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> do tell.
2: Uh, it's kind of boring. Anyway, so
3: we get one every few months out there for various reasons. Yeah, whether it's ODs or jumpers or this one's very mysterious.
2: Um, so my family owns a lake house in northern Iowa, and it's on a very—it's on the largest man-made man-made. No, it's on the largest natural lake in Iowa. It's a Great Lakes region, there's a ton of lakes everywhere, yeah, um, I'm from Minnesota I'm a, yeah. I'm familiar, you got it, yeah yeah, all right, um, so we're on the south shore, which is quite narrow, and so whenever there are boating accidents, the tide will oftentimes wash bodies up on the south shore, okay, and uh, cause it's kind of like a funnel, I guess, yeah, so. I remember one time I was in like early middle school, late elementary, too young to be doing this, and I'd heard it on the radio, and my cousin (laughs) told me to check under the dock for a dead body. Ah. There was not one. They found it, though, like I think five or six houses up from us.
3: Under someone else's dock? Under
2: someone else's dock. But it was like, you get like these kids. I was like 13, 12. But you you get these kids who get drunk and they're boating at night and yeah. sometimes stuff happens.
3: Yeah, they go overboard, they crash, they whatever.
2: And I don't think that my cousin like thought I would actually find anything because <laughs> I mean, he is kind of protective of me. I'm like the youngest by like 10 years in my family. But I just like have these memories of like checking under the dock for dead bodies. No big deal. at Like 8 a.m. before the rest of the family gets up. <laughs> As one does,
3: and now we sit here on a crime show. Makes a lot of sense.
2: Oh yeah, there is like a sordid history of my family and true crime. Yeah. I come by it honestly. Huh. Um, but I'm sorry to hear that there's a dead person.
3: I'll keep you updated.
2: All right. Uh, also, uh, we have a uh murderer, murderer love triangle.
3: Yeah, this thing hit the fan midweek. Um it's it's really disturbing.
2: Uh all right, so the estranged husband of a missing uh school teacher from Staten Island teamed up with his pregnant girlfriend. Uh-huh. Pregnant 6 months. Yeah. That's a pop to kill his wife. Right. Burn her body and then hide it in a storage locker. Yeah. Uh so prosecutors made this announcement on Friday. We have Michael Camarada, forty-two, and Aisha e- Egef, forty-one, who is carrying his child. They are charged with second-degree murder, tampering with evidence, concealing a human corpse, etc., with the death of Janine Camarada. Yeah, and uh, so last weekend, sometime between Saturday and Monday, uh, the couple allegedly killed Janine, who's thirty-seven. Uh, at uh, her uh, home in Rockaway Beach in Queens. And then to hide the murder, they burned her bodily so badly that they could only identify her through dental records. Uh, They then scooped up her remains, put it in a trash bag, and carted it off to a storage unit in Staten Island. All right, so they were caught because of security footage showing them taking a body to a storage container.
3: Yeah, no one said they were bright, girl. Uh, you know. No one said these people were smart.
2: It's like, okay, school teacher goes missing, people love her, she's a school teacher.
3: First thing what? people look at is the husband or boyfriend. That's the first suspect. And don't these people need to start watching more crime shows?
2: And then it's like, oh, you have surveillance footage of a husband with a pregnant woman hauling something heavy. Yeah.
3: I also read, and i I don't have the details with in my brain, but she has s- somewhat of a uh, big criminal record too, the girlfriend oh the girlfriend, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know and she needs some eyebrow help, <laughs>
2: oh God. like too much or too little or
3: she's she overplucks
2: oh of course.
3: they be like these tiny little lines in like the perfect half circle over her head. And I,
2: <laughs> it looks like someone put, like, a shot glass over uh-huh. her eye and she just drew. In
3: light brown. Oh, Yeah, my. just one single line.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: That's what her mugshot looks like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I always love people who have dachshund eyebrows where they have, like, this little circle at the corner of their eye and then it just goes out into, mm. like, one thin, tiny line. Mm-hmm. It looks like... They look like dachshund eyebrows. <laughs> anyway... Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm glad they're being brought to justice. It took the police all of a week, yeah, to get through this. I know it. Um, so also, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. Anthony Weiner, he's back in the news. He's
3: back in the news. He just got released from his halfway house.
2: All right, so why don't you take this away from here? I just cannot believe. That we're still talking about him. Like, I remember first hearing about him when I was in like I was twelve. Really? Yeah.
3: Oh, you mean as a politician?
2: As his first scandal was what? In oh, I was N- No. No, not twelve.
3: No, girl. No, no. His first scandal was uh seven, eight years ago. I was living in Chinatown, I think. Um
2: Oh, he first okay. Um so he first got criticism in 2008. Oh, you're right. I am not that young. No. <laughs> I am drinking. Age. I am also
3: not that old. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it was 2008.
2: He got criticized by the New York Times for yelling and throwing furniture at his underlings.
3: Okay, but that's not really what we're interested in. Is no, it? no, 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 no,
2: no. <laughs> I'm just saying that's probably the first time that he came upon my radar. Then. Bam! Well, he was 2011.
3: You know, yeah, sex I mean, scene scandal, sex scandal. Uh, Carlos Danger. Uh, I mean, he was sort of a champion for you know Democrats across the city and blah blah blah. And he had that sort of reputation as a fighter. And then it comes out that he's sexting
2: random women. random women,
3: <laughs> like sending pictures of his crotch under the name under the internet name Carlos Danger.
2: My favorite part about this is there is a woman who criticized him for acting immorally so he sent her a photo of his he sent dick. He sent him a
3: dick pic. I know.
2: So he gets caught
3: and, you know, he's like, I'm sorry. And his wife stands I by me. I love my wife. I love my wife. And she, Tammy Wynette's it with him. And, and he does it again.
2: <laughs> Weird flex, but okay.
3: <laughs> he does it again. And this time it was an underage. I think the last one was an underage. Yeah.
2: I think the ridiculousness for me is it's sexting. Yeah. Anthony Weiner is the guy that sends you unsolicited dick pics on Tinder. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway.
3: It's an unfortunate last name, too, for that.
2: (laughs) I think that's maybe why it, like, (laughs) sticks in my head. And he looks so dweeby. He's a super dweeb.
3: He is. Uh, He's very, I don't know. I don't know. So not I'm sorry,
2: my, not my flavor. He was like my favorite person to like make fun of. I mean, him and in the mooch.
3: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: well,
3: forgot the, about that. <laughs> I totally forgot about the mooch. Well, the wiener uh, got released from his halfway house this week, and the judge has ordered him to register as a sex offender, which he's unpleased about.
2: Well, and the best part was the New York Post sent reporters because they're the New York Post. Yeah. And so he turns around and he goes, you want a photo? And he starts posing for a mugging photo. Mug for the
3: photographers.
2: Lean just into like, it. Just
3: whip it out, Anthony.
2: We're all curious. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Anthony Weiner's dick is back in the news. De- back in
3: the news. More next week.
2: Checking to see if our phone's going off. Anyway, um, we also have some news from the Trump front. Uh, there's so um, much.
3: What are you? What are you going to hit me with?
2: All right. Uh, well, a very pared down. Mm. All right. So, um, an investigator from Mueller's team was talking to the New York Times, who said that Barr's letter uh, dramatically misrepresented the findings of the investigation.
3: I mean, it's like he just tweeted the findings. It's so the three hundred plus page report, and he wrote four pages on it.
2: Well, not only that, but literally, when Barr was given the job, yeah. he said that he does not think that a president should can be charged with a crime. Oh, that's
3: why. That's why he got the job.
2: So it's kind of like, what is happening? Why would you ever take his word for it?
3: Smells like a cover
2: up. I mean, I'm like willing to believe that they did not find a smoking gun, right?
3: Oh, I of course didn't find a smoking gun.
2: You know, like
3: the 300 pages of circumstantial evidence.
2: Yeah, I think they probably have 300 pages of circumstantial. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be less than what some Democrats are screaming for, but certainly more than what Republicans hope. Yeah. Um so I'm like just release the report, but I'm sure it will get released because I think that probably Mueller's team does not have any hair left. <laughs> they the want to go home and kiss their wife and sleep. I know. Aren't there protests
3: going on this weekend for the release of the Mueller report? All protests. Yeah. All the
2: time. And uh, so I think that it's going to get leaked if it's not released in Congress. I think that a redacted one, because, of course, Mueller likes her country. is not going to put any security risks. But I totally think that the report is going to go by way of Pentagon Papers.
3: It'll get leaked.
2: Yeah. We'll find out.
3: One way or another. Possibly in pieces.
2: Yeah. But also, uh, so I listened to uh, Pod Save America, uh-huh. great podcast on politics. And I like their perspective because several of them worked in the Obama administration so they can kind of understand how administration would approach something like this. And they were saying that We already know so much. And we also have uh, the investigation in New York, which is going to be public record.
3: Yeah. There's multiple investigations going on in the Southern District of New York.
2: And so we don't necessarily need the Mueller investigation. It's just Oh, pushing through. That's the one that sounds exciting. Yeah. I think that's the one everyone's kind of...
3: Well, I mean, goddammit, the taxpayers paid for it and we get to read it. That's my position on it.
2: One would think. And also, I think that Republicans could possibly use it to their advantage, depending on what it says, you know? I mean, like...
3: I mean, you know, Sarah Huckabee Spanders can spin anything.
2: (laughs) Did you hear that her husband has been really critical of Trump and Trump, like, said something nasty to him on Twitter?
3: No. But it's the same with Kellyanne Conway's husband.
2: I feel kind of bad for those two. I mean, I mean Barbie. they definitely are, like, supporting a...
3: I don't feel bad for those two. I but just... Those two are getting paid. Like, I do not feel bad for those two.
2: Would not want a job that puts my marriage at risk.
3: That was, I mean, it's their choice. They're registered goddamn Republicans. That's, you know, any, any spin is good spin, as far as they're concerned.
2: Well, especially at that level of politics. Yeah. Um... All right, so now that we are done talking about the current politics with our national government and threats to democracy, let's turn to some uh, local boys. Yeah. So you are, uh, you looked into Navnor Kong, yeah? I did. Okay, first off, I don't know a single thing about this person, so I'm super excited.
3: I didn't really either. I was just Googling the topic that you gave me, and I came up with this guy, and I I actually was, I kind of fell in love with him for the topic, because he's... He's like this, you know, good-looking 30-something.
2: I'm going to Google a photo.
3: Here, Here. I, Well, I now. give you this photo, but I need these notes. <laughs> um, Okay, so I think I'm going to do a little cr- cr- chronology story. Oh, he is sexy. He's pretty hot.
2: Yeah, so he <laughs> has like this smoldering, floppy hair. Yeah, He's, I see it. Yeah. Looks like an actor.
3: So I can... 2013 2014 he worked for um, he was the managing director of an investment house um and he was dis, um he was fired now he claimed he was fired for rejecting the sexual advances of a male superior at work
2: he is quite good looking
3: um but the company later on said that he was fired for failing to comply with the company's gift reporting process.
2: Oh, kickback! After
3: receiving an $8,000 Rolex from an investor <laughs> to failing to disclose that. And um, 54 other instances where he didn't report benefits or entertainment he received. Um,
2: so just as a, like a quick elevator pitch of what this guy did. He took bribes. He took bribes.
3: So he's running this huge fund and he's taking bribes because people want a piece of that fund to make more commissions, more interests. You know, right? so other investors want this. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's not what we're going to.
2: Oh, OK. That, that's not service level. All right. Keep going. Keep he, digging. <laughs> yep. So
3: he, that's not what he was convicted of. So but this was his first foray. So he gets fired for that. And then a couple of his buddies that he's known for a long time get him a job at the New York State Common Retirement Fund. And that is one of the largest pension funds in the United States. It holds $184 billion in trust for a million beneficiaries who work for the state local government levels, including firefighters and police. Now,
2: I see where this is going.
3: <laughs> uh-huh. So, um when he was interviewed for this job he clearly lied about why he was dismissed That's the whole sexual harassment by a male superior um let's see where do I where am I going my notes are out of order do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. lost my place okay so we'll, we'll just go on too many papers yeah i know okay so he got the job in 2014 and then um Soon after, he was accused of participating in a two-year scheme and accepted at, at least one hundred and eighty thousand dollars worth of bribes in cash, um, including another eighteen thousand dollars watch, a forty-two hundred dollars Hermes bracelet for his girlfriend, and then um, vacations, coke, and hookers. <laughs>
2: This is like Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I
3: love it so much.
2: <laughs> I these do. These guys.
3: I know.
2: They really need the hookers.
3: So these two, what they got out of the deal is initially they worked for two broker houses that didn't get, didn't have a hand in this pension fund. So And they weren't listed on the approved broker-dealer list. So because he got all of these bribes, these other two ended up getting... Uh, their hands into the pension fund and with that millions of dollars in commissions mm. for themselves. They too have uh, since been convicted and one is actually being sentenced this year. Um, So Kang at the time is 37 years old. 37. I mean like what I don't remember what I was doing at 37 but it wasn't anything this fun. <laughs> right? So he's so in 2016... The He's S- having
2: like a midlife, a very short midlife crisis.
3: <laughs> okay, so in 2016, um, one of his cohorts at the broker-dealer, her name's Deborah Kelly, was investigated and fired for her hand in uh, the misappropriation of funds and other suspect investments. And then the, the they rep- her company reported this whole scheme to the SEC. So in 2016... The SEC brings charges up against all three of these fools and um, let's see. So they brought charges for more than $50,000 spent on hotel rooms in New York, Montreal, Atlantic City, and Cleveland. I'm not sure. Maybe Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. up. Um, $50,000 on restaurants, bars, lounges, and bottle service. Which I, that's the most Pretentious shit I've ever heard. I hate bottle service. $18,000 on the watch, $4,200 on the bracelet, $8,000 on VIP tickets to Paul McCartney McCartney concert in New Orleans.
2: That'd be fun.
3: And extravagant ski vacation in Park City and a $1,000 a night guest suites plus thousands of dollars in cocaine. Thousands and thousands of dollars. So, um... In a parallel action, the U.S. Preet Bahara, my one of my favorites, brought uh, separate action in the Southern District of New York. Criminal charges against Kang and his two cohorts. Right. So he pleads guilty to. Hang on, I have the judgment. He pleads guilty to conspiracy, one count of cons- conspiracy to commit securities fraud, and. Uh, one count of conspiracy to commit honest service wire fraud.
1: Huh.
3: Yeah. And he's sentenced to... He's, well, before... He's sentenced to 20 months. Before, before he, he's out on bail, before his sentencing hearing, he gets rearrested.
2: Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah.
3: So this is my favorite. The um, New York Post reported in May of 2018... Um, he narrowly missed being tossed into jail after he was caught with coke and ecstasy in his system. Nanvor Khan, (laughs) I can't even read this without laughing, convicted of stealing billions of dollars worth of trades to brokers who showered him with cocaine hookers and strippers uh, was hauled into Manhattan federal court on Wednesday after a drug test showed up positive for cocaine, ecstasy and marijuana. (laughs) <laughs> when the former staffer for state controller, Thomas DiNapoli, was asked about it, he claimed he had been in the car with someone smoking weed.
2: Oh, and that's just why everything, it's osmosis, it just gets in through the skin. No, yes,
3: yeah, such bullshit. Then, when he realized he had also tested positive for the other drugs, he claimed he had been roofied. Mm-hmm. That's not how any of this works.
2: <laughs> I wish someone would <laughs> roofie me with Molly. does that sound <laughs> great? <laughs>
3: Um. So, the judge uh wanted to throw him in jail. He, so the judge gave him a pass because he's going to be sentenced in, in, um, four weeks from here. But it was basically house arrest. He don't get to go roaming the streets anymore. And then in June he was sentenced. He faced twenty years, and he got twenty one months.
2: It Must be so nice to be rich.
3: Rich and good-looking.
2: Yeah, he is. It's unfair. Yeah. He has, like, this, like, smoldering, like, why couldn't he have just been a model?
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, I mean, there's so much news on this guy, and I, um.
2: I I love that he kind of has these, like, this, like, Zoolander pose on some of them. Oh, yeah, that's
3: definitely blue ice right there. (laughs) (laughs) Blue steel. Blue steel. Blue steel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he
2: um. So for folks at home, he's like squinting at the camera with his chin up, looking very like I own this town. Yeah,
3: very. Um, he's got the European scarf tie going on. Um, probably a four thousand dollar blazer. He's probably
2: done so much cocaine in that photo that he like doesn't know where he is anymore.
3: <laughs> he was roofied. This is what roofied looks like.
2: Oh my god.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of um, when we were when you gave me this topic, I I came across him and I um I kind of fell in love with the story because it's got all of the sex and drugs and money and and we can sit here with our righteous indignation and laugh hysterically because there's. um
2: Well, it's so excessive. It's like I always wonder with the people who do these crimes now, of course, they're not catching the ones you're possibly not catching the ones who are more smart about
3: this i think people that are, are going to be smart about it are probably doing it on a smaller scale
2: <laughs> you know, yeah. right. so i think you don't enter a
3: 185 billion dollar pension fund with a track record of doing the same shit as your previous job and i mean if you guys are doing all this coke someone's gonna get caught like you don't make rational choices when you're <laughs> when you're hopped up on blow all day it's just it's not that's not how any of it works
2: um, so full disclosure, I have done cocaine in the past.
3: A uh, couple of times. I hate it. Really? Yeah, I hate it.
2: I'm like over it now. But when I was younger, it was kind of fun. And so I remember one time I did it. And I'm like at this bar doing nothing. And I look at my friend, I go, I'm going to write the next great American novel. Oh, yeah. And my friend was like, yeah. And then like literally like 10 minutes later, we're like, just... Completely had forgotten everything onto something. Onto something completely, completely new different. New, yep.
3: Like, yep. And then you don't remember like, a thing the next day. You think
2: you're a god for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean if you do a bit of it.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of talk and no action.
2: <laughs> I commend him for putting anything into
3: <laughs> Yeah.
2: But- well, I'm just imagining these guys, like, in, a bo- in like, a boardroom doing lines off of this mahogany table, like, screaming ideas at each other. <laughs> and there's some poor, um, like, underling who has to write down all of their cocaine field ideas and, like, make it happen. I don't
3: think there was—I don't know if there was an underling in it or not. I mean, they, you know, they, they conspired to lie to the SEC together and stuff, so I don't know if they had any outside— assistants. I think it's, you know, I don't know. Could be. Could be. There was some he had some devotee assistant who, you know, was like secretly harboring love for him or whatever. But, oh,
2: poor thing. I don't know.
3: Some sad intern.
2: I really like this movie that we're developing about this man's <laughs> the life. The great American
3: novel. Yes.
2: There's still time. <laughs> There's still drugs.
3: Yes, yeah, Lots of. I don't know. It sounds like he may have done it all.
2: I know. I was like, <laughs> What is this mountain of cocaine? I think that's where all the
3: coke went in 2018. I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, mine is less drug-fueled, but there are some strippers. Okay. <laughs> or I should say prostitutes. Sex workers. <laughs> Sex workers. We we got this. Sex workers. All right. So I'm looking into... Um, so we have three main characters to my little tale.
3: Okay. There's always three.
2: All right, so we have, well, three big ones whose names I remember. Okay. We're starting out with Jeremy Raishberg, who is a uh, real estate slash diamond guy, uh, and he uh, knows a bunch of the NYPD. He is actually the liaison between Borough, between the police and Borough Park's Orthodox Jewish community.
3: Mm-hmm. We have a seats. Okay. I see what, okay. We have gotcha. some Hasidic action. Yeah, okay.
2: Oh, also, just to—I uh, just now realized this. We are talking, like, a about a lot of wealth, okay? Jews are not trying to take over the world. No. If no, no. If we have no. any alt-right they are listeners not. out there—
3: They are not. If you're listening to the wrong show, if that's what you actually believe, turn the dial. <laughs> nope.
2: Okay. Now that we're just completely going to— Navor
3: Kang is not Jewish. <laughs> And he sounded like he was trying to take over the world. Well, like I
2: started reading this and I'm like, there's going to be someone out there who's going to use this to feel some sort of like anti-Semitic conspiracy theory.
3: You know what? Those kind of people can find that bullshit in any story. So,
2: well, I also want to tell them that the world is flat and that they should fall off it.
3: There's a new cruise ship that will take you to the edge of the earth. (laughs) It's true. I saw it. Okay. I had this in Monty Python cartoon in my head where it just like fell off the end and I was like that's exactly like, where it should go fall right off the flat earth
2: all right so yeah like <laughs> I just don't even I really hope we don't have any of those listeners.
3: <laughs> I'm pretty sure we don't
2: okay so Jeremy Raishberg is um, a liaison between the police and um, a Hasidic community and so through this, he just knows a ton of cops. All right. Uh, so he has like this little scam working where through a generous donation to his bank account, uh, he will give you a license plate that reads sheriff. And then you can park anywhere you want in New York City. Jeremy will. Yeah.
3: And he's not a police officer. No, he's but just- his
2: cop buddies oh. will help him.
3: Oh, I mean, I used to get a, those little get-out-of-jail-free cards, but there yeah. was, like, a little card you carry in your wallet, yeah, when they used to come up to my bar that I worked at.
2: Did you have, like, police friends, or? Uh-huh. Oh. My friend has one because he's a son of a police officer.
3: Yeah. But how does Jeremy hand these?
2: Kickbacks. Uh- he, like, buys Knicks tickets for people. Okay. And so cops are like, oh, and also, it's like, man, it's parking, Small potatoes, whatever.
3: Not in this town. Parking is not small potatoes in this town.
2: Yeah, anyway, there's like this huge connection actually of fraud based around parking. Right. All right, so we have Jeremy Reichberg with his police and his fancy license plates. Okay. Then we have Jonah <laughs> Reischnitz, who, as far as I can tell, is only good at networking and can literally do nothing else. Uh so I know people like that.
3: Yeah, I know people like that.
2: They tend to be quite successful. <laughs> They're successful. Uh, All right. So he's from a wealthy real estate family in California. He came to New York to study at Yeshiva University in Manhattan. Uh, Then he tried to get into real estate like his dad, where he promptly started fetching coffee for people because he didn't actually know how to do anything. Um, I,
3: That's true. Most of those people don't.
2: But he's also very good at like Schmooze. complimenting. People. Yeah,
3: charming, schmoozing.
2: <laughs> he's a smoozer. Uh, so he actually got in with Lev Leviev, who's a famous diamond dealer. Yeah, have you heard of him? I have
3: heard of him. Yeah,
2: shady as fuck. All right, so Lev Leviev, I actually did a story about him in grad school. Uh, he is possibly involved in blood diamonds. Yeah, in parts of Africa. Hmm. Anyway, all right. So, Reshnyts is just raising his profile, raising his profile, and then um. One of his co-workers through this whole Viv thing uh, knew a guy who had one of these sheriff license plates. And so he's talking to our friend Jonah about it. And Jonah's like, I want one. Mm -hmm. I got to meet this guy. So we have the meeting of the minds, Jonah and Jeremy. And boy, do they hit it off. (laughs) Uh, So uh, Jeremy describes himself as kind of like a fix-it guy. And he uses his police connections to help his friends. Like he's mostly out of Borough Park, but it expands. Um, helps with parking tickets, moving violations. Um. Anyway, so. Uh, Jeremy and Jonah are talking, and Jeremy actually sends police to a colleague's uh, diamond business to chase away a rival who is handing out flyers in front of the in, in front of a business in the, di- in the di- okay. And so uh, the police are rewarded with jewelry Mm. after for helping them out. seems a little excessive. The competition.
3: Seems a little excessive. But from
2: the cops' perspective, they're kind of like, oh, it's like 30 minutes to work and my wife gets a new necklace. (sighs) And that's kind of how this thing really built was it was stuff that if you kind of squint at it seems really innocuous. And then like 10 years later and millions of dollars. Right. All right. So. Um <laughs> one of their more excessive requests. Uh okay, so prosecutors said that uh, Mr. Raishberg, so Jonah's behest, the police shut down a uh tunnel, like one of the Lincoln tunnels.
3: One of the one of the lanes or
2: like one of the lanes, so that Liviev, when he's in town, could sail through without traffic. Ah. Uh, that ain't right. At any moment. Did Leviev be like, this sounds corrupt? I don't (laughs) know. No, of course not. Um, And then apparently, um, Rationitz, when he organized it, said, This is good. This will earn me a lot of points with Leviev. (laughs) Right. All right. So, anyway, eventually, at the age of 29, uh, Rationitz leaves Africa, Israel, leaves Leviev's company, and opens his own company called JSR Capital. Where again he is of middling success because he sucks. Uh so he owns a hospital in the Bronx, a couple of townhouses. Um but hey, wait, did you say a hospital? Yeah. Okay. In the Bronx.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't know. Anyway, uh it was just
3: never like okay.
2: But it's just insane because it's like he's not actually making that much money. It's more of like his whole thing is just wheeling and dealing with his friend. So people are paying them to get lavish treatment by the NYPD. Right. And um, especially from James Grant, who uh, was a deputy inspector when these two guys met. He's like the third person in this trifecta. Okay. He becomes a police chief of the NYPD.
3: Chief Grant? Yeah. Okay.
2: Have you heard of him? No. I don't know why I asked you that. I don't know any police chiefs. Yeah, so James Grant is like the police chief of the NYPD. And in order to expand their network, Raich and and uh, in 2013, charter a private jet and flew Grant and another detective to Las Vegas for an all-expenses-paid weekend at the Super Bowl. They got tickets to the game, luxury suites at the MGM Grand. They got a sex worker dressed as a flight attendant who serviced the men on the flight.
3: Oh. What? Ah. Ick. Private jet, right? Yeah, private jet. Thank the Lord. (laughs) I had a vision there. I'm like, no, no, that can't be happening. Okay, no. Well, I mean, look, if, if, if she's getting paid, good for her, but those cops are sleazebags for doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have the police chief, this, like, random real estate mogul who talks shit out of his mouth, and then the, like, Borough, the Borough Park Community Liaison. Yeah. Who is Jet with whatever they're doing.
3: The Mile High Club.
2: Anyway, um, so they also paid for Grant, um... For a vacation for in Rome for his family, mm. he got a three thousand dollar watch. They installed. What's with what
3: the watches? What's with the watches? Is it? I don't. That's yeah. like
2: jewelry, but for men. They, oh, look at my Rolex!
3: Look at my fourteen thousand dollar watch! I'm like, yeah, good for you.
2: Uh, they also bought like d- him like a douche. a six thousand dollar railing for his porch. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, my God.
3: Is it marble? Diamond encrusted marble? Like, what is that?
2: Engraved with, uh, like, family.
3: Big G on it. However, yeah, I can't. Probably. Yeah. Uh,
2: in in return, the NYPD basically acted as private security for Reichnitz Reisberg, and their customers with the real estate, whatever. That's not. They got a, a police uh, helicopter to Reichberg's private event.
3: Okay. Okay. I want one. I want one of those to take me to a private Police night. chief? Yeah.
2: I can bake you cookies? Uh-huh.
3: I make a mean cocktail. I got chili in the crock pot. I'll bring it.
2: <laughs> he also helped the men illegally get gun permits. Okay. Um. All right. So, so far up until this point, the stuff that they're doing is, like, questionable, but not, like, straight up, we're going to investigate you illegal. Mm. I don't know. Well, yeah. the watch, the helicopter. It's gifts to a friend. Yeah, the NYPD helicopter, I think, is a little bit like. Mm. But anyway, so where things really start to go off the wall is Reichnitz is like <laughs> it really
3: starts to go off the wall.
2: <laughs> so Reichnitz is, is on like a beach vacation with um this man named Seabrook who is in charge of uh the Rikers Guards Union.
3: Oh God.
2: Yeah. And so he's in charge, again, of their, like, pensions and everything. And Seabrook has this, like, breakdown and starts crying. He's like, my dog died. And he shows him a tattoo on his chest of his dog. And he's like, Seabrook makes money for everyone else, but no one ever pays Seabrook. And he's, like, crying and righteousness is trying to comfort him. You
3: can't write this shit. This is... If this was... If someone wrote a screenplay about this crap, it would... It would it would pan in a movie theater. It's so bad.
2: So they hatch a plan.
3: Oh, of course.
2: <laughs> where Seabrook um, pairs up with one of, because Reichberg is like the wheeler and dealer of all this. Right. So Seabrook pairs up with a hedge fund that's friends with Reichberg. Is it Kang? Is, is, is it Kang's King,
3: hedge fund?
2: It's <laughs> like Ponzi scheme mm-hmm. where he's taking these people's pensions from Riker's. Uh, no. He's investing it in the fund and then he's getting the, the kickback that, um, so the fund is supposed to make a certain amount of money off of the investment. So the fund is splitting that money with Seabrook, but they're not making as much money as they were expecting. And so of course Seabrook is pushed. Um, the union has, like, no idea that any of this is happening. He invests, like, $10 million and, like, the Secretary of Finance in the union is just left completely in the dark. Huh. Um. All right, so Seabrook is like, I need my money. And everyone's like, we don't have it. Right. So uh, Reichnitz uh, goes to this uh, man that he's worked with before who's best known for selling, like, bootlegged liquor. <laughs> in the northeast I can't it's like a guy in a truck oh, who my God. Uh, is selling directly he's selling like wholesale to bars and restaurants liquor that hasn't been taxed yeah to like New England right so he goes from like this like giant scale multi-million dollar to like hey buddy you got a <laughs> bottle of whiskey huh huh Huh? So whiskey guy gives him like $6,000, $60,000 to pay back Seabrook so that Seabrook's not sad anymore. And then the FBI pounces. <laughs> Everyone's arrested. Everybody scatters. Um. Oh, also, funnily enough, is like at one point the police chief retires. So or, um, or the police guy retires. So then they go to de Blasio and they donate a bunch of money to de Blasio's campaign. So he gives him his cell phone number. And then they start calling him, uh-huh,
3: oh, this, I remember this
2: so De Blasio's now involved,
3: uh-huh,
2: but it sounds like from De Blasio's end, he has a generous donor. He gives him his cell phone number, and then it's like they were calling like multiple times a day. He's like,
3: yeah, they were trying to buy the mayor, and he was just like it was a it well, the was the stuff
2: a, that they were asking for was stupid. It's like I'm worried that the uh fire department is going to buy the house next to me, and it's going to devalue my property. Can you like fix that? And de Blasio's like, Who is this? <laughs> Hang up. Right. It's like they were like stalking him, is how it, it kind of makes it sound. Anyway, everyone's arrested. I say everyone, I mean like the two main players, at least Reichnicht um Reichberg. I'm not quite sure what happened to Chief Banks. I'm assuming he was also charged with some crimes.
3: Mm, probably not.
2: Uh but it is just internal
3: investigation.
2: So funny because like for me, it's like the investigation is actually the boring part. It's just like the goal that they had and like the stupidity of them, they like gotten so over their heads.
3: Uh-huh.
2: It's kind of like a fire fest situation. It's, yeah.
3: I mean, there's so much there's so much ego going on here.
2: Um, so I just wanted to share. That was great. Uh unfortunately, uh our time is up. Uh But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Please do not try to, like, bribe police in the mirror. You can. Well, actually, you could try to to bribe the police. It works pretty well.
3: Yeah, it sounds like it works quite well. But uh,
2: (laughs) I just love at the end where they're like, oh, man, we're in over our heads. Let's get that guy who sells illegal booze. (laughs) (laughs) He'll fix it for us.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Let's get the small time crack. Everything will be fine.
2: All right. Uh Well, thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next week at um, 11 a.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn for another wonderful episode of Crime Talk BK.
3: Later days. Bonnie
0: and Clyde we pretty looking people But I can tell you people They we were the devil's children Bonnie and Clyde Began their evil doing one lazy afternoon down Savannah way. They robbed a store and hightailed out of that town. Got clean away in a stolen car and waited till the heat died down. Bonnie and Clyde advanced their reputation. The graduation into the banking business. Weeks for the sky. Sweet talking pride would holler.